in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news WNBA draft was last night. The Las Vegas Aces made three picks. Alana Rupert was their first round pick, Destiny Slocum, and Kiana Jeter, who was the last pick of the entire draft. Uh, gener- general question for all three of them. Do any of them actually make the roster this year? I'm going to go over under one and a half. What do you got? Ooh, I will take the under on I'm taking one the under. and a half. I'm taking the under. Um, I think one of them, one of them make it, and I have absolutely no clue which one. I thought it was interesting. So the Aces select Alana Rupert in the first round. She's a 19-year-old from France. She is a post player, like Liz Cambage, like Asia Wilson. There's not much need for her on this roster, but I thought it was interesting. As soon as she was drafted, the analyst on ESPN said, well, she might not come over this year. So <laughs> Bill, Bill Lambeer might have drafted, used his first-round pick on somebody that's just going to stay and play in Ooh. France for a year or two until there's some more spots on the roster for Ilana Rupert. Is the drafted stash. Is <laughs> is Rupert like the WNBA's shippy where she might come over for practice, <laughs> but then that KSA or that weird hockey league I continue to get daily updates from, the Continental <laughs> Hockey League, whatever that is, uh, Shippy's back. I think Shippa Pajab just got he got in a new team last week. I get these weird emails. Is that what this is? Hey, I'm just going to stay over where I'm at and maybe one day I'll join you? Might be. It might be that. Um, Destiny Slocum is the interesting one because she's she's from Arkansas, which means Kelsey Plum was like a grad assistant at Arkansas this last season. So that might be why they ended up taking Destiny Slocum. Uh... But she averaged 15 points per game for Arkansas and... She shot 40% from three last year. So she's a guard that shoots threes. The Aces roster doesn't have very many shooters on it. Bill Lambeer doesn't seem to appreciate three-point shooting as much (laughs) as he probably should. But maybe there's a chance for Destiny Slocum to make the roster because of that. Because she does something that... they, They do have some shooters, just not a lot. That she does something that not a ton of people on the roster do. So maybe she could make the roster that way, but otherwise I, I would say that there, there, I mean, there's a chance not one of these three actually plays for the Aces this uh, year. After that scouting report, it's under one and a half and she's making the team. <laughs> one of the best players on the team coached her and she can make threes, of which even if Lambeer doesn't care about, the one the one who coached her, who's one of your best players, is going to know, Billy, we need some shooters. So I'm all in on Destiny, Destiny Slocum making the team and playing three minutes a game. So we needed to set it at half. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, that would that would be a better line. Yes, yes, that's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> UNLV volleyball lost to Kentucky in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they got swept in three sets, which means Kentucky volleyball this year has won sixty-two of the sixty-six sets that they have played. Uh, but UNLV season came to an end. They were a perfect 12-0 in the regular season, won their first NCAA tournament game, so they end up 13-1 in what is probably the best season in program history. Yeah, golf clap there for Don Sullivan and her team. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. Women's volleyball tends to be a sport where the top seeds are going to you know, go advance through until they play each other, so it was going to be a tough one to win, but good for them, man, uh, to win an NCAA tournament game. Uh, 
it doesn't happen a lot. You know, this happens with some of their, I shouldn't say that happens with some of their um, Olympic sports, but yeah, good season for them. That was cool. Yeah, so UNLV Volleyball, I, like most sports, you can bring everybody back. So I imagine they'll be one of the favorites in the in, in the uh, Mountain West yeah. next year uh, again. What do you think? The Raiders players have elected to skip voluntary workouts that were set to take place at the end of this month. Uh, they joined the Bears, Browns, and Giants yesterday as the four teams to say they are going to skip workouts. That was after three teams the day before had said they were planning to skip voluntary workouts. Uh, the interesting part on the Raiders, I know uh, Vinny, uh, he reported that that there were going to be accommodations made for the players that have bonuses, that have money in their contracts tied to workouts. So I'm curious to see if the players are sort of helping pay each other because they're going to miss some money by skipping these workouts. Yeah, this is going to be interesting because you also have uh, rookie camp and you're going to essentially tell rookies, you know what, you're staying with us here. It's interesting in that it was not a unanimous vote. And look, I I'm sorry to say this has nothing to do with COVID. Th this is the union and negotiating tactic. They, they collectively bargained the 17th game. They didn't think it was going to be this year. They did have players saying, hey, virtual wasn't all that bad. My body felt better. I didn't have to do this stuff. There was a lot behind this more than COVID, but I'll be interested now that the NFL has changed the OTAs and, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three with the bonuses. I think the key thing to watch here is who backs down here and who comes in. Now, maybe they won't. Maybe everyone's going to be solidarity and they're going to back the union, Tyler. But with rookies and undrafted free agents and guys just trying to make a team, that's going to be really interesting. You know, it's one thing for Derek Carr to sit out. I mean, he's, he's okay financially and everything, but you're going to get a lot of guys who are like, man, this is really hurting my chances. So I, I'm gonna. I think we should keep a close eye on it. I don't think it's. I, I don't think this is completely over, and that no one's coming. Yeah, it's it's a it's fascinating when you talk about guys' money and contracts being involved, and you talk about a coach that complained last year a lot about not getting guys, especially the younger guys, in for these types of workouts. So it's it's interesting, uh, and and how I can't wait to hear John Gruden's first thoughts on it. Somebody's got to ask him that before the draft, right? Whenever he does like pre-draft oh, availability. Yeah. Like, ah, yeah. John, yeah, whatever. You're going to waste your picks anyways. Now, what do you think about your players <laughs> not coming to practice? Oh, how mad is that kid? How mad is that kid right now? I don't believe any of those statistics. I think it's all hogwash. Next question. We got news from this morning, Ed, from John Morosi. Fernando Tatis is expected to be activated by the Padres today in advance of tonight's series opener against the Dodgers. Oh, your reign is over. Good. Uh, I want him in there. You got You want. You want their full complement players. Don't need any excuses. Although Bellinger won't be back in the lineup still. Oh, um, yeah. It's look. It's it's. Uh, here's the great thing about it. It's two years. No, I think it was two years ago. Was it? At one point, the Dodgers were sixteen and sixteen and twenty six. They won one hundred three games. The amount of Twitter I'm seeing from San Diego, and not a shock. I lived there through it. I lived through it. About how big a series they believe this is in April is absolutely hilarious. Like it, like it's it's they've got opinion stories. This series is going to set the table for the rest of the year. All this stuff. I, I mean, it's a cute little story because the Padres continue to be a cute little story. But <laughs> it is absolutely hilarious if you read. And in a weird sort of way, you think this is going to be crazy. I don't want it to happen. But on Monday, you will not. You'd be surprised at my reaction if the Dodgers get swept because I will be laughing so hard at how San Diego reacts in April 
to winning a series against the Dodgers. It will be, you'd love it because it'd be absolutely hilarious on Twitter. <laughs> so I don't want it to happen, but if it does, I won't be throwing things because it's April. If this is August and they're fighting for the title, then I'm going to be a little upset and things might be thrown, but not no, in no. April. No, no, Ed. April 16th, 17th, and 18th. Okay. All right. A champion will be crowned. <laughs> okay, yes, yes. We will crown a champion this weekend. He's, oh, he man. says that, and then all of a sudden, if he's down two games to the Padres the rest of the season, we're suddenly just going to hear, oh, well, you know, the, the Padres won that first, th- that first game, and it's been over ever since then. And Cody Bellinger was out. That's what cost us. I always and, wanted a face cam on Mark Anderson during UNLV football games because his reactions to our, the, the weird plays that the Rebels would run were, were delightful. I need a face cam on Ed Graney whenever Kenley Jansen grooves one to Fernando Tatis in the bottom well, of the ninth. Last night, I got to be honest with you. I mean, I you had a little uh, little golf clap, and they brought in David Price. Now he almost screwed it up, <laughs> but uh, uh, he, he got he got through it. Um, so yeah, it was uh, good for the. Well, I'll watch all the games. Good for Tatis. I like you, you're gonna think I'm crazy. I like watching Tatis. Like I think he's an incredible player. I don't want him to be good this weekend, but like I love the guy as a player. He's amazing in how he plays. So good for them that they got him back. In about a Listen. decade, he'll be a Dodger. <laughs> Man, you know, that's a great question. The Vancouver Canucks will not play today. They were supposed to return and play against Edmonton. The NHL has postponed that. They're still scheduled to play Toronto tomorrow, but the Athletic reported that Vancouver, or that that game will be postponed as well. So the Canucks, they had over 20 people in their uh, on their team test positive for covid uh, the NHL is trying to get them back to try to play out the rest of the season. JT Miller complained and said, we're not ready to play. And they're going to get, it looks like, a little bit more time before they actually get back on the ice to play a game. Yeah, you know, I've talked about this, and I know uh, we had Darren Millard on, and he had his thoughts about the, you know, the, the safe and health and protocols. I get all that, and I get, you know, I get that the league's trying to do this. I just stopped at... When a player, and they all want to play, they all want to get paid. I, I get that. They're competitive. You're not at that level if you're not competitive. So when a player like him comes out that hard against it, I don't know why people continue to think they should play. It's it's one thing if you're an owner. It's one thing if, like, your fans and like that. But when players are saying, look, this is stu- – we're not ready. You, have, you, you guys are still have symptoms. No one's in shape. Your family have symptoms. Some of the family members got it. Like, that's when I stop and start rethinking things, when players start talking about it. Like, those guys are usually like, yeah, let's go. You know, I'm ready. We're ready. We'll be okay. But when they start talking about it, I'm just a little surprised. It's to continue to push, push, push to get them back and to have them finish the season. And I still can't figure out a good reason why. I don't know. Like, like they don't – like, it's fine if everybody in the Canadian division plays 48 games. Like, yeah. It, t- it doesn't matter. They're not competing with any other division. They're just competing with themselves. So I, I don't know. I don't. There, to me, there's not a good enough reason why to bring the Canucks back. All right, Jared. I know. I know we've got a big segment coming up. Do you want to do one more front page topic, or should we go to break now so we let's, have enough time? Let's do one more, and uh, then yeah, preview what's coming up. Okay. Great question. Awesome. Thank you. USC was put on probation by the NCAA. This was the follow-up to the FBI investigation that saw a handful of assistant coaches arrested in college basketball. 
Tony Bland was one of those coaches at USC. Tony Bland was actually giving a given a three-year show cause out of this, but USC avoided a postseason ban. They're on probation. They got some recruiting uh, restrictions, but ultimately USC didn't get hit very hard. Uh, they should be very, very happy. And I think maybe this shows us what's going to happen at Kansas and other places. Well, we know Kansas is okay because Bill Self gave himself a lifetime contract, so he probably <laughs> thinks nothing's happening. Uh, it, it, by the way, I don't think he's informed the president or AD, the new AD yet that he has that. Um, no, if I'm other schools, Arizona, Kentucky, who, are, or excuse me, Kansas, who are still waiting for this stuff to come down, this makes me feel pretty good, right? I mean, they, look, we've understood. Now, Sean Miller eventually got fired, but it took them years to do that. But for the most part, they've kind of rolled the buses over the assistants. That These are the guys who have been, and not, look, they did the wrong things, but these are the guys who've taken the brunt of it. So my guess is if I'm Bill Self this morning, I'm like, you know what? We'll take the probation and no, you know, no postseason or uh, no uh, postseason ban. Like, they'll take that. So I think this is good news for everyone else that USC was just put on probation and they don't miss any postseason. All right, coming up next, Jared, I'm not sure how to promo this. Should I just say we're doing a spelling bee? It's the return of the spelling bee. All right, our spelling bee is back. Hopefully Jared doesn't try to make us name Marlins again. Free agent spelling bee, offense. It's that time of year again. You ready? (laughs) How happy are you to be like Wink Martindale? Oh, man, it's what? Hey, I always wanted to grow up to be either a cartoon character or a game show host, and now I get to do both. Hello, Bob Barker. Let's get this thing going. All right. Tyler, are you ready for your first word? (laughs) Absolutely not, but okay. And remember, you can always ask for the origin or for it to be used in a sentence. Your first word is... John Brown. Oh, come on! Please use John Brown in a sentence. Oh. The Raiders needed a speedy receiver, so they brought in John Brown. <laughs> oh, come on. Would you like the origin? Uh, yes, I would like the origin of John Brown. Arizona, Simple. then Baltimore, then Buffalo for a while. All right, so, so it's a tricky one. Not exactly sure to spell John, but... Come on. That's the only trick go... about this. I'm going to go J-O-H-N-B-R-O-W-N. J-O-H-N-B-R-O-W-N. John are we supposed Brown. to ask Are we supposed to ask for the origin because he stayed up all night cutting these, these uh, things? Because <laughs> you didn't really want to ask the origin until he said, do you want the origin? Of course you got to ask for the oh. origin. That's the fun. Oh, God. Come on, Jared. I need Mike Smith. All right. Oh, no, no. Come on. These are going to start off easy. Your yeah. first word is Nick Martin. Would you like the Ooh, origin? This is gonna be t- you know what? I'd like to use it in a sentence. Ed Graney could not pick Nick Martin out of a lineup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with N as in Nancy, I C K M as in Mary, A R T I N. N I C K M A R T I N, Nick Martin. Uh, All right, it's going to get a little bit harder. So, Tyler, here is your second word. Willie Sneed the fourth. Ooh, that's a good one. All right, uh, can you use Willie Sneed the fourth in a sentence? Willie Sneed's first name is short for Willie. (laughs) It's not actually short for William? Willie Sneed's first name is short for (laughs) Willie. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. All right. Willie Sneed is W-I-L-L-I-E-S-N-E-A-D, Roman numeral I, Roman numeral V. W-I-L-L-I-E-S-N-E-A-D-I-V. Willie Sneed. I thought it was going to be like a trick. I think it's gonna be a trick, and Willie was spelled P-O-P-S. All right, Ed. Here is your second word. Zay Jones. Ooh, this now this one I actually should know this because uh, I think I she, I actually used his name once in my lifetime in a column. Can I get the origin, please? Traded Buffalo a fifth round pick for him. Okay, so Z's and Zebra, A Y, J O N E S. I S A I A H A V E. Oh, come on! J O N E S. Come on! Zay Jones. All right, that, see, that, I, 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 let, me go, let me go to the official here. You did not say full name, you said Zay Jones. Tyler had to spell out the fourth in Roman numerals. Well, because you, because when you gave him the name, you said Willie Sneed the fourth. You gave that to him. <laughs> All right, Tyler. Cheater. Here is your next word. Derek Carrier. Okay. Is Derek short for Derek? Can I get it in a sentence? Now that Jason Witten <laughs> retired, who will steal Derek Carrier's catches? <laughs> you guys not using the origins is a little irritating to me. Yes, he waited. He stayed up all night for these origins. Okay, get, I'll, I'll take the origins on Derek Carrier as well. Standing behind Big Wit. <laughs> Okay, I think I'm ready to spell. Derek Carrier is D-E-R-E-K-C-A-R-R-I-E-R. Having some technical difficulties, sorry. Oh. <laughs> right, right now we're going to hear A+. Plus. D-E-R-E-K-C-A-R-R-I-E-R. Derek Carrier. There's a lot of suspense. Sorry, sorry about that, guys. Uh, Yeah, well, all right. There's 40 buttons in front of me, and I realized, oh, (laughs) I didn't have Derek Carrier spelled out in the 40 buttons. So it's a little difficult. Just give him a check plus. All right. Ready, Ed? Uh, No, but give me the full name this time. Richie Incognito. Ooh, this is a good one. Um, All right, because I've I've written this a lot, so this is pretty easy for me, but I like the the name. Richie, R-I-C-H-I-E, incognito, I-N-C-O-G-N-I-T-O. R-I-C-H-I-E, I-N-C-O-G-N-I-T-O, Richie, incognito. I only knew that because he's like one of two guys who likes to talk in the locker room, so I always go to him no matter what. Okay, but Richie incognito's thighs are larger than Tyler's chest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask for the, but yes, that's a good one. So I, I, I noticed. I noticed you guys aren't ever asking for any of the stuff. <laughs> All right, Tyler. Theo Riddick. Ooh, Theo Riddick. Please give me the origins. Detroit, or was it? And, <laughs> and can you use it in a sentence? I honestly forgot Theo Riddick was on the team. <laughs> Is Theo short for anything? All right. Uh, Theo Riddick. T-H-E-O-R-I-D-D-I-C-K. T-H-E-O-R-I-D-D-I-C-K. Theo Riddick. All right, Ed. Are you ready? Denzel Good. No, just go ahead. 
Who? Say it again. Denzel Good. Oh, Denzel Good. Okay, can I get the origin? Claimed off waivers from Indy. <laughs> okay, all right. I don't need a sentence. Denzel, <laughs> D-E-N-Z-E-L-L-E-G-O-O-D. D-E-N-Z-E-L-L-E-G-O-O-D. Denzel Good. All right. Well, I have the tiebreaker, but Tyler is not in the lead. Would you guys like to go to the tiebreaker? That is at, you know what? All right, PSG. That is an, I'm, I'm protesting this entire nonsense right now. I am winning on away goals, Ed. <laughs> I right. give this entire thing Ed, an F minus. Ed, we will call it a tie because we will have two more spelling bees before the end of, uh, well, before, okay. by the end of the draft, we will have had two more spelling bees. So, All right. Ed, if you get this one right. Oh, no. Oh, no. You will, you will, we will call this, we'll call this one a tie. Okay. Kenyon Drake. Would you oh, like the, the origin or in a sentence? I want the origin for the Joker, and please say the origin is the Joker. Miami traded to Arizona for a six-round pick. Kenyon Drake. K-E-N-Y-A-N-D-R-A-K-E. J-O-K-E-R. Joker. Oh, come on, Ed! You should have known that! This is embarrassing. J-O-K-E-R. Joker. <laughs> the I'm Raiders filing a protest with whoever that woman is who, who got talking. traded for a six-round pick. <laughs> can can I file a protest with that person? Is that your mom? Who is that person? It's Sylvia from Comp. Oh, okay. <laughs> you had this poor woman stay up all night doing this stuff? No, she gets these done early. It's then I have to uh. cut them and then label them correctly, <laughs> which I obviously didn't do for Derek Carriott. <laughs> uh, Jared, what was the sentence for Kenyon Drake? The Raiders are paying $11 million to a guy who got traded for a six-round pick. It's not even used in the sentence, but it's still such an alarming fact. Yeah, you're not very good at running spelling bees because you didn't use the word in the sentence. Is anyone confident that Denzel Good is good? (laughs) Welcome to Raider Nation Radio. Um, Ed, I beat you in the spelling bee. All right, all right, yeah, okay. Don't worry, Ed. There are two more opportunities <laughs> yes. for you to come back because all we did there were the free agent signings for offense. <laughs> yes. And uh, unfortunately, the Raiders keep cutting defensive players, so the defensive one has is taking a little bit longer, and they keep signing defensive tackles. All right, coming up next, we will talk to Dana O'Neill about college basketball. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now is Dana O'Neill writing for The Athletic. Dana, how are you this morning? Hi, Dana. I am hanging in. Thanks. How are you guys doing? <laughs> we are good. Um, I, I want to start with this because USC... Uh, they got their punishment yesterday, no postseason ban. They do have probation and some recruiting restrictions. But I'm curious, what did you think of USC's punishment? And what do you think it means for other programs like Kansas that were involved uh, in the FBI investigation from the, uh, a few years ago? Yeah, I think it's going to be a little apples and oranges. I know everybody wants to kind of extrapolate from USC what it means for everybody else. I think for Oklahoma State, which is trying to appeal its postseason ban. This is good news. I mean, it's kind of a similar situation where you had one assistant 
um, with no signs of uh, involvement from the current head coach and the assistant has now been is gone. So I think that, you know, that's good news for Oklahoma State. But Kansas is facing, and, you know, and LSU and Arizona, serious, you know, high-level major infractions that involve people that are still on staff. Um, you know, I know Arizona gave itself a postseason ban this year, but, you know, they haven't done as much. Um, and the allegations are just much more complicated. I don't know that you can say, well, USC got this, therefore Kansas and LSU are going to get that. I, I don't think it's that simple. Dana, it's, I mean, people kind of smirked at this, but I ask you this, um, Kansas, like you just said, might be facing a lot. And yet we made fun earlier that I don't know if the president or AD knows, but Bill Self seemed to give himself a lifetime contract. Were, yeah. were you like surprised at things like that? Like, uh, is that supposed yeah. to be the announcement while you're still waiting to see what kind of sanctions you might get? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty brazen. And that's sort of kind of why I feel like, you know, it's been interesting to watch how Kansas has handled this. They sort of, you know, thumbed their nose at everything um, that the NCA is throwing out. They keep claiming that they were victims, which I think is, you know, entertaining as a defense, um, you know, and, and they gave Bill Self sort of this kind of weird but could be lifetime contract. You know, Curtis Townsend is still on the staff. They have really dug in their heels and, I think they're just rolling the dice that this new IARP will either, you know, rule differently or just apparently never rule at all. <laughs> that seems to be actually how they're doing things. Um, maybe they just figure by the time the IARP gets around to this, Bill Self will have retired and gotten his AARP. I'm not really sure. <laughs> uh, one of the things from USC's punishment was the NCA kind of applauding USC for how mm-hmm. they cooperated in this investigation. And we, we tend to hear that a lot when the NCA investigates a school for whatever wrongdoing they've done. Do you actually believe that matters at the end of the day when teams get punished, whether it's severe or not, that how much they cooperated impacts how much they get punished? It really tends to be that way. Like, I always thought that was really weird, though. I mean, you know, you've been accused of something, and, you know, most people, when they're accused of something, they're they're – inclination is to defend themselves and the NCA is like, no, no, we want you to punish yourself and prove how horrible you are. Um, and if you do that, you do our work for us, we'll reward you on the backside. But their argument has always been those that cooperate with the investigation and don't make it difficult are rewarded for that cooperation. So that's been a long-term belief of the NCA. I just think it's a little weird. So that's why I think, you know, Kansas and LSU, and particularly in Arizona, only just now kind of coming around to Jesus and getting rid of Sean Miller, um, have not been very cooperative. So I thought it was really interesting yesterday because Vince Nicastro, who was on the call, said, you know, they had exemplary cooperation and the Committee on Infractions weighed that significantly. And, you know, I guess, and you can help us here, this is usually what happens. It hasn't happened always in the past, but um, Tony Bland with the show cause, Book Richardson, I mean, yep. like you said, it took forever for Arizona to let go of Sean Miller. It, you know, eventually it happened, but people are like, what took you so long? Is this a sense in all this invest- investigation where the head coaches are going to, for lack of a better term, skirt here? And it's like, well, we're just going to throw that assistant under the bus and like move on. Well, I think in some cases they might, you know, certainly Sean Miller is now gone. He might get a show cause after the fact. I don't know. I find it hard to believe that Will Wade is going to skate too hard, uh, too well. I think there's going to be some mm-hmm. punishment. I, I find it hard to believe that Bill Self won't at least be suspended for a few games because you can certainly say that, you know, the head coach did not oversee the the staff properly at the very least. So I don't think that they will skate. But again, like we're in this whole new world where a group of people are making these decisions. That's not 
the Committee on Infractions that we kind of had a handle on how they thought this this IARP kind of wheelhouse. We just don't know how they're thinking yet, and so that'll be the curiosity. Uh, so the NCAA officially has said that uh, players will be able to transfer without having to sit out a year. Um, what what year, how many years in the future will it be until coaches stop complaining about transfers? <laughs> Uh, let's see. We are in 2021, like 2052. Um, you know, here's here the thing. They, I mean, look, coaches like to complain about everything, and so this is the new thing they're complaining about. What makes me laugh is they're all complaining about it, but nobody's not taking a transfer. Like, nobody's like, no, I think it's wrong, and ergo, I shall not take one. I mean, yeah. they take them. So, like, yeah. you protest, but the way to stop it is to not take them, and nobody's doing that. So, you know, spare me your drama. And I, I do believe, you know, this whole thing, it's chaotic right now. Obviously, it's open season. It's bananas. But I do think in some ways, and maybe I'm being naive, that this will kind of clarify things. Because if you only get one chance to transfer and play immediately, you don't want to foul it up, right? You, you want to make sure you transfer to a place that you actually are going to play. And if, you, and if coaches and, and programs start taking guys with promises that aren't realized, that's going to backfire. You know, if you promise a kid he's going to play immediately and he doesn't, that's not going to work. So I think at some point we will flush this out. But um, it's it's just the way of the world. I hate it. I don't I don't hate that they're allowed to. I think they certainly deserve to be allowed to. I just hate that nobody wants to try to work through the hard times anymore. It's like ah, I didn't play enough. I'm out. Eh, I it's work a little bit. You know there are rewards on the backside for that. Do you think uh, at least in the moment? Because uh, I've read this a lot the last few days that. Uh, there's thousands in the portal now, but now mm-hmm. let's say over the next seven, 10 days, it'll get crazy because now maybe if a kid said, eh, I'd like to go, but do I want to sit out now in the next few weeks, we'll just see even more of a flood because they're like, Hey, I don't have to sit. I mean, potentially, I guess so. But you know, at, at some point there's only, you know, there's only so many scholarships on each roster, right. you know, right. I mean, so that at, at some point, you know, if you can shove your name in there, but you have to be good enough to earn the scholarship over somebody else. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just sometimes think, like, it, it to me, it, it's almost like I hate to throw people under the bus generationally sometimes, but it's like these kids all need to be loved again. And so it's kind of like this nice thing. You throw your name in the portal. Everybody talks about you, and then everybody talks about you, whether you're being recruited again, and there's some love involved. How much that actually, you know, pans out and works, like how many transfers really, really make a huge impact the next year, that's the interesting thing. I mean, certainly, you know, Andrew Nemhart. At, uh, at Gonzaga and Baylor's, obviously, you know, Davion Mitchell and Macy Oteague this year certainly were huge. But I would say that they are the exception, not the rule. Listen, there is nothing better than people tweeting about you and four or five fan yeah. bases telling you why they love you <laughs> and why you need to come play for them. It's, I mean, I guess I, I you know, I, I did not grow up in the in the generation that needs like social media love, so I can't say that it's right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just I don't get it, but there certainly is, seems to be an appeal for it. Uh, Dana, you wrote about uh, Arizona hiring Tommy Lloyd and why he could work out there, coming from the Gonzaga bench down to Arizona. So what what do you like about that hire? Why do you think Tommy Lloyd could be so good at Arizona? Well, I mean, first of all, everybody wants to talk about the fact he's never been a head coach before. Well, at one point, neither was Mike Krzyzewski or Roy Williams or Bob Hugg. I mean, everybody was an assistant coach at one point. He's been on the Gonzaga bench for 20 years. I think he probably picked up a thing or two. So that does not concern me in the least. You know, But what I think is interesting is the way Gonzaga has grown into what they are now is basically 
you know, mastering first the international market, then the transfer market, then the grad transfer, and now suddenly they're getting the jail and thugs of the world. They've sort of done the incremental thing. They develop local players. They develop four stars. And frankly, that's how you win in college basketball this year. If you, if you look at the past five, six national champions, maybe all with the exception of the Anthony Davis Kentucky team, they're not a bunch of freshmen. They're older players that have stuck around or guys who have transferred in and developed and Tommy Lloyd knows how to do all of that. And now he's going to do that at a, with all the backing of the Power Five accoutrements, you know, all the money and, and the fan base and all of that that, you know, Gonzaga certainly has now but didn't have at the beginning. And I think if you allow him to apply what he's learned there, that could be, I mean, it's, it's a great job to begin with. I think he could turn things around mighty quickly there. I hope so much you saw this, but can we pretty much say the best booster in America gives free Jeeps out at Baylor? Jeez <laughs> Louise. Oh, my, can you believe? I mean, I, I want to say I can't believe it, and yet I totally can believe it. That's the thing. I mean, Scott Drew must have I mean, been like, I know Scott I know Scott Drew doesn't curse, but if there was ever an occasion to allow yourself one, that would be the one. I mean, uh, honestly, was, what, 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 what a mess. That was, what that a mess. was beautiful. Is is college basketball, I'm sure the Pac-12 is, and maybe people think this, maybe they don't. How much better is it really if UCLA's good? Oh, 100%. I mean, look, I mean, it's it's Los Angeles, and it's it's that California market, and it's what we've been missing. I mean, other than Gonzaga, a West Coast program with, with staying power. It's UCLA with all of the tradition. It's name recognition. It's all of that. I mean, you know, I've always said, like, same thing on the East Coast. If St. John's and Georgetown can find their footing again, there, there's something, there's, there's traction in all of that. So, yeah, I, and I, look, I actually, I don't think what Mick Cronin did, I mean, a final, a final four run maybe a little bit, but it's not smoke and mirrors. I mean, he's a really good coach who convinced all of those guys to stick around and then kind of reinvented the way they play. They play like he is. They're angry and they're tough. <laughs> Um, and they're a little bit mean, and they just shot they shot the world out. I get that, but that's who he wants them to be. And now he's getting great recruits. I mean, I think a lot of people are kind of like Nick Cronin, UCLA. Really, that doesn't seem to fit, but right. it doesn't matter. He's a good coach. Are they the team this last year that you would say embodied their coach the best? <laughs> uh, I mean, certainly in that NCAA tournament run, they did. I mean, they just. They just would not stop coming. I was at their their first four game at Mackey against Michigan State. They had no business even winning that game. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's probably a lot of them that do, but I, he, they just, they wouldn't quit. And, and if you know Mick a little bit, he just, he just fights for everything. And, you know, he's not been handed anything in his life. He's worked his tail off from the, you know, the very shoestrings of coming up the coaching ladder. He wasn't a player except in high school. He's earned it, and, and that's the kind of kids he seems to be attracting, or at least that's what he wants them to develop into. And I, I, it's, a, it's a great recipe for success. You, uh, you were an indie the whole time. Uh, you got through it. Uh, yep. Then afterwards, <laughs> we see some of these stories. I want to get your idea on this because, you know, a town like Las Vegas now with Allegiant Stadium, like, all right, we got to get in the Final Four here. We, and they have to bring one here, and there's, it's west of the Mississippi. They don't have a lot. But then I saw stories afterwards starting kind of with the Sweet 16, that you could kind of pull off, bring that into one area, and just play it out. I I mean, are you a fan at all of what you saw in Indy, that there's parts of that, that until this virus is completely eradicated, that you could kind of do stuff like that? Or do you hope next year it's back to normal? 
I mean, I, I look, I thought it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was super cool. The first day of the full tournament on Friday, I went from Hinkle to Lucas Oil to Bankers to Farmers Coliseum. It was ridiculous, and it was so fun and so cool. But I also am a realist, and I know that the contracts with these cities are played out to, like, 2026. And part of the appeal of the tournament is that it's a national tournament that you are able to see bits and pieces of it everywhere. So, you know, I don't have a problem with it going back to the way it was. I mean, you know, I guess if you wanted to bring Sweet 16 on into one city, but there aren't, you also be real, there aren't that many cities that are capable of hosting all that, that don't, you know, that have the hotel infrastructure and don't have other things going on to complicate the availabilities of enough arenas and things like that. So, you know, I, I have no problem with them going back to the way it was. I, I thought it was, it was the perfect finish for a really bizarre year. Um, but you know, it also worked because you couldn't have the normal number of fans. Like otherwise it would have been a zoo. I mean, if, you know, if we had had 68 teams with all of their fans in like you normally could, it it would have been chaotic there. It was, you were able to function because the crowd sizes were limited. So I think you have to kind of take a little bit of the reality check on what we just went through versus, you know, what it would look like if you tried to do this in like normal times. Well, she is Dana O'Neill. Again, uh, check out her work at The Athletic. Uh, Dana, we appreciate it this morning. Thanks, Dana. Anytime. Take care. Thanks for having me. Take care, guys. Thanks, Dana. Great stuff there. She, uh, Yeah, uh, I was wrong. I mean, I, I, the more I thought about what you said, she's right. Maybe maybe it is apples to oranges. Maybe Kansas and LSU and uh, those guys are going to face a lot harsher. Not that they shouldn't. Um, maybe just, you know, you take it one school at a time and not compare it to others. I mean, if you're comparing on what the schools did with the coaches, if you got rid of the assistant coach who got arrested by the FBI, then the NCAA right. views that as good versus Kansas, who's giving Bill Self a lifetime contract. Well, he gave it to himself. <laughs> well, yes. Those are uh, two different ways to handle a coach that might be in trouble. Can so, we, Can we see are you calling see the that day? the self-contract? Well, yeah. Self-contract. <laughs> Can you see the day when he called the SID and said, "Jimmy, uh, we need to write up a release about myself, my uh, long t- or lifetime contract." He's like, "Wait a minute, has Athletics signed off this? Don't worry about that. Just write up the release, and I'll okay it." I am Athletics. I am I'm athletics. From the Athletics Department. <laughs> All right, coming up next, our sharpest two and zero, just picking big baseball favorites. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, Matt is back. He's 2-0 with baseball picks. Matt, because it's Friday, you can pick anything from the weekend just as long as it is over uh, before we're back on the air on Monday. So, where would you like to go with your weekend pick? Let's go with the Mets today. Okay, the Mets are playing the Rockies today. Uh, They are, yes. So we got you in for the Mets. Uh, Good luck, Matt. Good luck. Will it now become who's playing the A's, who's playing the Rockies? Uh, No, you can't do the A's anymore. They actually, they've won a few games. But uh, you can definitely pick on the Rockies. Uh, I think the, wouldn't the Rangers be the best one to pick on right now? Yeah, they stink too. Oh I mean, no, no, I, they're playing. They're a favorite. They're playing Baltimore. So yeah. when the two the bad teams play call. each other, yeah, yeah that is good a good call. one. When the, well, when the two also, bad teams play each other. Also, he's got Degrom going. I like his chances. Oh God, no, they're gonna lose. <laughs> no, yeah, they don't he should have gone first five. 
They don't score when DeGrom pitches. They're going to lose one to nothing. DeGrom's going to go eight, eight shutout, and whoever Edwin Diaz, whoever the hell closes for them, is going to give up a walk-off home run. The only person who feels worse for Flurry in this town than the media is Jacob DeGrom. Oh, you have to. He, he just, knows how dude, it is. He just texts him. I, 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 dude, I know how you feel. I feel for you. The Flower. dude's ERA is like is like under one, and he can't get a win. <laughs> He's unbelievable. I got. We got to find that stat. Jacob Degrom's the the Mets record in Jacob Degrom starts <laughs> when he gives up two runs or less because they're under five, they're, they're under five hundred, which is <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, like how, how are you under five hundred when the best pitcher in the sport pitches? It doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. it's it's incredible how bad they are. But we I've been trying to get to this one soccer story for like the entire week. But there's a guy named Stephen Payne who plays for a team called Grimsby Town, and he has now been suspended for ten games. Uh, but he was suspended for ten games because he headbutted his own teammate at halftime of a game. Yeah. And not only was he suspended at, during the game, he was given a red card. So his team had to play down a man for an entire half because he headbutted his own teammate during a game. And so my question is, should you be punished for attacking your own teammate? I think this is a special case because obviously his teammate had Man City and he'd had Bayern Munich. So he got oh, pissed because the guy like made fun of him. Um, but... Punish for your own teammate. Yeah, I mean, we've seen, you know, crazy hockey dads, like, you know, hit kids and stuff, and, like, they're punished around their same team. Wait, we have? I mean, you know, <laughs> no, I mean, what, if, what? If, you're if you're injuring anyone that happens to be on your same team, then why is it any different than if he headbutted an opposing player coming off at halftime? Well, so I think, like, my first thought is, okay, you headbutt your own teammate, you should right. be punished by your team, but I don't know if you should be punished by, like, the referee and the league. I, I don't know. It's just weird to me that a team would have to play down a man in half of a game because they fought amongst themselves. I feel like that's more of a, hey, you guys figure yourselves out over there. We're going to try to play a game now. Who was the professional football or who was the football player who headbutted a like concrete wall, gave himself a concussion, and then he couldn't play? Oh, he scored a touchdown, right? Wasn't it a quarterback? I believe so, yes. And so like that's the situation where I'm like, no, you guys don't you guys now have to play with ten guys because your quarterback knocked himself out. Uh it was Gus Ferrat oh, who yeah. ran his own head into the wall after scoring a touchdown. And they might have uh, been yeah. be better without Gus Ferrat. Now that it I'm thinking about this, this may but, not have been much of a punishment. But like genuine question, Jonathan Abram has hurt many of his own teammates. If Jonathan Abram hits his own teammate helmet to helmet, that's not a flag. No, it's not. It's Gus Bradley shaking his head saying, uh, well, yeah. I shouldn't, have had, shouldn't have moved Murray Hurst. Maybe I should have moved <laughs> this guy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can see where you're at. I'm also rethinking because it was probably a bit of a reach where I went the hockey coach hitting the kid. I mean, I don't know what you were even talking about. <laughs> That's a bad analogy. You, you just casually threw it in there. We've seen hockey dads just beat up the kids. And I'm like, what? What hockey are you watching? Oh, I, been, there's been some famous I, cases about that. Hockey dads are crazy. They beat up other kids?